Bell Church, it is still wonderful to worship together. Although not in the flesh, in the spirit, and in our hearts, God, we are, we are still gathered together. And it truly is a privilege, even given the circumstances, of course. And it's hard not to talk about it, right? It's hard to wrap our heads around the news. Of course, I'm talking about the fact that Tom Brady plays for Tampa Bay. Like, we can barely wrap our heads around it. Not to mention, of course, the global crisis that we're all in. I mean, these are crazy times. We are at DEFCON. Pets are, our pets' heads are falling off level. But yet, we still need this for sure now more than ever. And I still want us to think about even the good that can come out of this. You know, the kids and kids don't get to do it all the time, but we got to think of the positives. Many of you, we are, you know, celebrating church together. You're still in your PJs. How often do you get to do that? That is a nice benefit. I ain't mad at you if you haven't, you know, got dressed yet out of your pajamas. Some of you haven't even showered yet to you guys. I'm a little mad at you because hygiene, that's a kind of like our thing right now, but that's beside the point. We can still worship and encourage each other with the Lord. I'll be honest with you, coming in to this week, I have felt more pressure than, you know, other Sundays. And God had to speak to me because I felt like I needed to say the right words in this time. And God reminded me that we pray every time. You don't need to hear from me. You need to hear from God this morning. And so that is our hope, that is our prayer. And I don't need to tell you something new that's going to change the way you think about it. We just, we don't need to hear something new this morning. We need to just be reminded of what we already know to be true. And to find out, do we really believe this? And encourage each other to do the truths that we already know. So let's pray with that great hope in mind. Will you pray with me? Father God, I believe that to be true with all my heart. God, nobody needs to hear from me in this time. God, we need to hear from you. But one word from you in the midst of all this chaos will bring peace. And so God, would you now, that even through technology, through screens, God, your word is living and active. God, we believe in that. We trust in that. Would you speak to us now? In Jesus' name, amen. So I am excited to continue and excited to continue in this series of dangerous prayers. In some ways, I don't feel bad even getting excited and screaming this morning. Sometimes I feel bad when I scream on a Sunday and the doors open and I hear my echo and I only need to chill out. But guess what? You're at home. You can control that with the volume and just... And I know many of you right now are wishing you had a remote where you can, like, turn me down and mute me on a Sunday morning. We are not passing that out. The technology doesn't exist. And so, I'm excited to dive into the third installment, the final, of this series of Dangerous Prayers. We've talked about a prayer of submission, thy will be done. A prayer of growth, search me and know me. And now we're going to dive into a prayer of impact. This prayer that we're going to talk about this morning, this prayer that I prayed in college changed the very trajectory of my life. I promise you, I'm not standing here today if I didn't pray this prayer. And all these prayers, they're not one-time deals, but to pray this prayer is a lifestyle. 
will change your life. And even in this time where we need it so much, you will have an impact in God's kingdom, in the kingdom of this world. God, you will, we will see move. God's kingdom move forward. I promise you will make an impact. So what I want to look at, we're going to look at the prayer, the process, and the plan. And if you thought just because of some virus I wasn't going to alliterate this morning, you were dead wrong. So that's where we're going. We're going to talk about the prayer, the process, and the plan. So let's dive in, and we're going to read this. This is from Isaiah 6-8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. You see, very simple prayer. Here I am, send me. Are you willing to pray this prayer? If you pray this prayer and your heart is really in this place, I promise you, God will use you and you will make an impact. It is a simple prayer saying, God, I am available. And we talked about not just, you know, the prayer, but the posture of it. Will you pray this prayer and have this posture? Of God, here I am, send me. Your heart will be in that place, not that you just say those simple words. Would you this week, would you your life pray this prayer? Here I am, God. I'm ready, send me. This picture is God in heaven. Kind of God is like the general over his army. God right now is in heaven looking down on this fallen, hurting world. And God wants to reach people, wants to heal people, wants to help people. And you know what God's plan is right now to make an impact in this world. It's you and me. God right now is saying, whom shall I send? Who's going to go for me? God right now is looking for recruits. God is looking for volunteers. God is looking for people to throw their hand in the air and say, God, here I am. Send me. I will never forget hearing this. It has stuck with me throughout my life. I hope it sticks with you. It is that God doesn't need your ability. He needs your availability. And that's all it is. It's a simple prayer. God, in the midst of all this, God, I'll go. You just send me. At one point it said Jesus. You know, he looked out on the crowds and had compassion on them. God is looking upon this hurting world and has compassion. And he is looking for recruits. I mean, God doesn't need you to have it all together. He just needs you to volunteer and make yourself available. See, the apostles, those are literally the sent ones. The apostles, they prayed this prayer that they would be bold and that God would send them. I want you to read with me this little passage that talks about the apostles. Let's read this together. So this is Acts 4.13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. See, the apostles prayed this prayer, okay, God, send me. God, make me bold to go forth. And God used these apostles in mighty ways. And people were astonished. Why? 
Not because they were so brilliant that they had it all together. What did it say about these men? They were uneducated, common men. They didn't have this kind of supernatural ability apart from God. All they had was this. God, send me. Each time as I prep for these times, I'll look up different words. So that word where it calls them common men, the Greek word for that is idiotos. I'm sure you probably heard it in there. So that word, what they called these men, it's the same Greek word that it's where we get our word idiot. I looked it up in a Greek dictionary, and it's, one of the translations was ignoramus, which I'm definitely bringing that word back, you ignoramus. It's that these men, these were just ordinary men, they were just idiots. And maybe you're feeling that, that like, yeah, how could God use somebody like you? You don't have it all together. Maybe you feel like that. I'm just, you know, a normal guy. I'm just some idiot. And how could God use me? That's what these men were. They were just average men, just like you and me, that did this and said, God, I'll go. Send me. Like I told you, I prayed that prayer in college. I remember praying that, and I was on a mission trip over the summer, prayed this very prayer. Because of that, when I graduated college, I jumped on a plane and moved to India for eight months because of praying this prayer. I didn't know what I was doing. I just did this. I said, I was hearing about, you know, people all over the world that don't have an opportunity to hear about Christ, that don't know the name of Jesus. And I was too stupid to think, you know, to know the difference that God couldn't use somebody like me. So I just said, okay, God, I'll go. Part of throwing your hand up, and you notice from Isaiah, He said, who will go for me? And he said, I'll go. Did you notice he didn't know where he was going? There isn't caveats. So many of us, you know, okay, well, I'll go if you take care of this, God, or I'll go as long as it's not too bad. And we want to have all these caveats. Part of the power of this prayer is just saying, God, I'll go wherever you need me. And it doesn't have to be the safest, the closest, the nicest. It's just saying, God, send me where you need me. You know, here I was, 22, jumping on a plane. And as of kind of the week of leading up, I'm taking off to move to India for months. And people are asking me, what are you going to do when you get there? And I remember them asking that and realizing... I should probably know the answer to that question. I was just got on a plane. I didn't even know what I was going to do when I landed. I remember other teams coming, you know, through the same organization. There was one team from Australia. They were there for a couple weeks, and they were preparing for eight months to go for a couple weeks. I was there for eight months, and I didn't have one meeting to prepare. I remember talking to the missions pastor after I got back and him saying like, yeah, we we shouldn't have done that and just sent you like that. And I was like, yeah, you think? I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. All I had was a simple prayer. God, if you want to reach those people, if there's people that, that don't know you, I'll go. And it was hard. 
Just like the call that Isaiah received, if you read past that, it was a hard call. But I will tell you this, if you pray that prayer, if you put your hand in the air, you will make an impact in the kingdom of God. God will use you. I specifically remember a couple times being in a village where they didn't get the opportunity to hear about Jesus. I could take you to a church. I remember walking up the hill, and we visited many churches, but I got to share from God's word at that time, and I'm telling you, God moved in this tiny church that's probably a quarter the size of just the room that I'm in right now. I'm, gonna, I'm convinced, meet people in heaven, that they're going to talk to me and say that it was because of that meeting in that church that God ended up having an internal impact in their life. Don't you want that in your life, that kind of purpose where God is going to use you? You don't have to have it all together. You can just be an ordinary, uneducated person who doesn't have the Bible memorized yet, but you can just pray. Okay, God. I'll go. Send me. God right now is looking down on this hurting world, on your neighborhood, on all the vulnerable in our midst, and he wants to reach them. He wants all those people that are wondering, you know, where is God in this? He wants to show up in their lives and say, I'm right here. You know how he's going to do that? It's people like us throwing their hand up in the air saying, here I am, God, send me. So that's the prayer. That's what I want all of us to pray. But I understand not everybody is there. There sometimes is a process to get to that place, particularly in this time. I mean, some of us, you know, there's such temptations for fear. We're so worried about, man, how are we going to make it? We're in this posture trying to protect ourselves. How can we begin to look out? That is a bit of a process it might take for some of us to get there. And I want to encourage you with this. Isaiah himself didn't start praying this prayer. Isaiah started in a very different place. Isaiah himself went on a journey when he had to go through a process that I want to look at together. So if you were going to back up to the beginning of chapter 6 and read up how did Isaiah get to this place. Let's read that together. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. In the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand on a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. 
And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. So man, you see this crazy journey that Isaiah went on. Can you imagine this dude's baptism story? I mean, you know, our, in our church, we love to do baptism videos where people come up and tell their testimony. Like, can you imagine being at the church service where Isaiah gives up and gives this testimony? You know, people sharing their stories like, oh, I was raised in a youth group, and oh, praise God. And, we, and then Isaiah gets up. You know, hi, I'm, hi, I'm Isaiah, and this is my story. Uh, yeah, I was at temple one day, and then I, I, saw, I saw God. God appeared in the temple. Uh, his robe filled up the temple. Um, yeah, it was crazy. There were angels flying around everywhere. Uh, and, then, and then one of the angels took a coal and then burnt my mouth with it, and I was forgiven. And so, you know, pray, like, can you imagine hearing that? Like, wow, PTL, praise God. Like, what a crazy story. Like, this is real. Like, this happened to Isaiah. He's in the temple and sees God. And then God, you know, sends an angel to burn his mouth with a coal to forgive his sins. I mean, again, this is real. I always try to picture that. Like, how wigged out would you be to be Isaiah? Sitting there in an angel, like, you know, it reminds me of, if you ever go to the eye doctor and they do the eye puff? Like, that thing always wigs me out. I get nervous. I always have to get psyched up, you know, like, and then I always back out. We're like, hold on. Hey, hey, hey. And, you know, the thing goes like right next to your eyeball and shoots a puff in. Like, I'm always flinching at that thing. I don't even think they do it anymore. But you got to imagine that Isaiah flinch at this. Like, an angel takes a burning coal. The angel can't touch it. He's wearing tongs, and he's going to put it on your mouth. Like, hey, hey, hey. And then God, that's how God forgives him. What a crazy story. But did you notice the journey that Isaiah went on? Right after this, this is verse 7, right after this is when he says, whom shall I send? He says, here I am, send me. So just three verses before, in verse 5, Isaiah is saying, woe is me. And then he gets to, here I am, send me. What takes Isaiah from, woe is me, to send me? What happens? He sees God. He has an experience with God Almighty. Many of us might still be in this woe is me place. You know, we're at the place where we're just in fear. We're hoarding. As I was preparing for this sermon, I heard, I saw an advertisement for a song. It was worry about me. Many people right now aren't worried about making an impact. And maybe that's you. Maybe that's us. Where I'm just, I'm just worried about me. And we're in this place thinking that, oh, I don't know if I'm going to have enough. Do you really think that having more stuff, that if you had better job security, if you had more supplies, if you had more toilet paper, more, you know, if the stock market changed, that would give you the peace that all of a sudden you'd feel comfortable that now you'd worry about other people. I promise you, that isn't going to do it. Just better circumstances, more provision, 
isn't going to do that for you. That's not what's going to change you to get to that place where now you're going to go from here hoarding to here. Okay, God, send me. I'm ready to go. I was, you know, like everybody, shopping a little bit and kind of getting the supplies we need. So I was in the aisle, and a lady, we were both there looking at the last, you know, thing of Lysol kind of wipes. Now, she already had two in her cart. And we're both sitting there staring at the last one. So it's there sitting on the shelf, and we're just both staring at it together. And I, you know, she was a little bit older, so I felt weird. But she asked, like, well, do you want it? To which I responded, yeah, I want it. There's corona everywhere. Give me that. I didn't say that. I'm kidding. But I was tempted to, like, hey, you already got two. Yes. Like, come on, let me get the last one. And I didn't say that. I think the spirit prevailed. I said, that's fine. I, I would rather you have that. And do we really think that somehow if we just have more of this, more supplies, you know, if we were able to get back and have better job security, and if the stock market would change, then that would give us peace, and now we'd be ready to help other people. If our safety and our health was guaranteed, then we'd be able to do it. Listen to me. If you want to pray this prayer if you want to get out of this mentality and get to here, you don't need more stuff. You don't need more circumstances. You need to have a greater vision of God. That's what changed Isaiah. It says, I saw God on his throne. And not just seeing God. Everybody on some level is aware of God. It didn't stop there. Isaiah had a personal experience of the grace of God. God touched his life and said his guilt was taken away. His shame was erased. It was atoned for. That word atoned comes from the word to cover. I mean, it is, means that God just covers you, just wraps you with his love and his grace. That's what you need. And if you've never had that before, if you've never experienced that, if you would just cry out to God like Isaiah, humble yourself, woe is me. He says, I'm filthy and I dwell amongst a filthy people. God will touch you and reach out to you just like he did Isaiah. And for those of us that have experienced God, you need to be reminded of that. Be reminded of who God is, who it is that we serve, who we are in Christ, in Him. Right now, if you want to pray that prayer, if you want peace in your life, that's what you need. A vision of God to see God. I think of the story with all the apostles in the boat, and they're in the midst of a storm. And they're wigging out, God, where are you? What's going on? Don't you care that we're just here and we're probably going to die? Most of us, some of us maybe feel that way. God, what's going on? Where are you? And do you remember the story if you know it? Jesus is sleeping. He's at utter peace. We don't need more stuff to make us feel better, so then we'll go out. Think of this in light of that vision of God. If we were to see God, none of this would matter. We wouldn't worry about that in the least. So right now, I want you, I'm going to read this again, and I want you to close your eyes. 
And that's easier to do at your house. Sometimes you close your eyes at church and you don't know the weirdo next to you and you get nervous to close your eyes. You're just at home. And unless your kids are like playing with knives, maybe close one eye, but you get the point. I want you to close your eyes and I'm going to read this again. I want you to picture this because I think this is what we need. Close your eyes and picture this as I read. I saw the Lord, picture the Lord sitting upon a throne. Picture Jesus on a throne. High and lifted up, exalted. I want you to picture the train of his robe filling up the temple. Just picture filling up your home or filling up the church. Envision that. Envision angels just surrounding him. Angels with six wings, two to cover their face from his sheer holiness. Two covering their feet and two just flying. And picture this worship scene of Jesus on his throne. And these angels just worshiping him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. They're singing that. Imagine just picturing just the ground shaking beneath you. You are totally humbled. But then imagine this is the God sending an angel to you. Picture that seeing this scene and an angel approaching you, proclaiming you are healed, you are forgiven. Open your eyes. Some of us, that's all we need this morning to be reminded God isn't panicking right now. God is on his throne, high and lifted up. He's not callous and uncaring, but he surely isn't panicking. That God who sits on his throne has reached into your life if you have called out to him and forgiven you. And then after this, Isaiah has a conversation and hears the very voice of God. That we can hear from God. And if we would only be in that place to be reminded of who he is, to hear his voice, I think that is the fuel we need to experience that grace to say, okay, God, here I am. Send me. Have you been reminded of that? God is in heaven on his throne looking for volunteers. Will you raise your hand? And I think if we experience his love, that is the process that we need to get to that place. Now, I do want to end with a couple of thoughts. Okay, so what is the plan? I mean, oftentimes, I think many of you are probably there already. God, I'll go, but we don't know what to do. Like, we don't know practically how to make that happen. So I want to give you just a couple bullet points to keep in mind of making that plan. Okay, God, I'm ready. What's next? Where do we go? So let's kind of walk through a couple bullet points together of the plan. I want us to care for each other. The plan, and I, in some ways this almost seems too simple, but I don't want to miss out on this. That we would be a people that cares for each other. I mean, that's okay, what do I do? Well, let's care for the people in your community group. Love the people you know in the church. And of course, the vulnerable out in 
our neighborhoods, out in our communities, reach out to them. I want to read to you. Again, the apostles prayed this prayer and they went out. I want to read a passage describing this community. Listen to what it says as the apostles went out. This is Acts 4. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that they had any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Listen to this line. There was not a needy person among them. Can you imagine if this was true of our church? So the apostles get sent out. They are making an impact. And look at what it says, how they cared for each other. No one saw anything. Again, as our whole culture is doing this, I have my supplies, this is my stuff. All of them said, none of this is mine. God has taken care of me so we can care for each other. We would all be freed up to go if we knew that we would be taken care of and we should be doing for that for each other. So don't miss out on that. If you're in a community group, make sure maybe somebody in your community group lost their job already or maybe they don't you know, have pay for a while. Let's meet each other's needs. Can you imagine the impact our church would have? The witness that we would have if this was true of our church. That not one person in our midst had a need because we cared for each other. So let me go to this point as well. Let me encourage you, don't wait for someone else. Don't wait for someone else. Isaiah's prayer was, here I am, send me. And I don't mean that selfishly. I want you to pray that prayer of Isaiah. But some of us want to pray Moses' prayer. I don't know if you remember that from Exodus 4, Moses' prayer. Very similar situation and, and similar prayer, but you'll notice the difference. God shows up and calls out to Moses. And Moses says the very same thing that Isaiah says to begin. Here I am. Do you know what his prayer is? Moses' pray, prayer is, God, here I am. Please send somebody else. You can look it up. That's Exodus 4. And some people are going to be so tempted to pray this prayer right now in this time. And I'll get this. You know, people telling me, here's what I think the church should do. Now, as a pastor, I want to shepherd. I want to do all that I can. And I've been convicted. And I want to do more to kind of help facilitate reaching out and making an impact in people's lives. But for you, don't wait don't wait for someone else. Don't pray, God, you know, please send someone to bring this food. Please send somebody to go to the nursing homes. Please send somebody to go overseas to those that haven't heard. Don't pray Moses' prayer. God, here I am. Please send someone else. Pray Isaiah's prayer. Here I am. Send me. Don't wait for you know, some special I don't know what you're waiting for, but do it. If God has laid a call on your life, I want you to go. But next bullet point, I think oftentimes we don't know, okay, we're not sure what that call is for us. I mean, one, we have never in our lifetime had more opportunity and needs to meet. But sometimes that can be overwhelming. Okay, God, where do you want to send me? 
And this third point, I want to help you kind of find that calling for you. I want you to find your holy discontent. I love that term, holy discontent. I want you to say that right now, even at your home. This is like Dora the Explorer. You know, you just talk to the screen, you know. Swipe or no swiping, all right? So I want you to say that right now, holy discontent. Did you say, I don't know, I don't care. I'm not going to find out. Look, I love that phrase, holy discontent. And I remember hearing that. And what the holy discontent is, what is it that breaks your heart that also breaks the heart of God? See, that's the holy part. You know, not just discontent, like we're called to be content Christians. I'm talking about what is it that bothers you that bothers God? That's your holy discontent. Oftentimes when you say, all right, God, I'll go, that's what it'll look like. God, Jeremiah said it was like fire in his bones. He'll give you a fire. He'll give you a passion for something that breaks your heart, that breaks the heart of God. I heard it explained this way. You know, where I got that term, holy discontent, it reminded me of whenever, if you remember Popeye at all. You know, Popeye the Sailor Man, you know, it was that old cartoon. And that was even before my time, but, you know, most of us were familiar with it. Popeye, you know, it would be a similar episode. Something would happen that would drive him crazy. And he had a famous line that someone told me about. And it was, man, that's all I can stand and I can't stand it no more. And that's when the episode would flip. And he'd have his spinach and and they'd hit the double buys. You know what I'm talking about. You know, that's the Popeye moment. You need to find your Popeye moment. What is it right now that you're looking at? That you're like, that's all I can take. I can't take it no more. I got to do something about it. There are kids that, you know, got food from the schools, but now they don't get it anymore. And I got to start meeting that need. We were driving down the road with my wife, and she, you know, started weeping like, what's, what's happening to the people in the nursing homes? Like, they can't see people that are isolated. Who's bringing Jesus to those people? Who's telling them about Jesus? And we should all care about everything, but I think God gives us a particular passion, a particular holy discontent. If you've raised your hand, what is that for you that's driving you to your Popeye moment that says, I can't take it anymore. I got to do something about it. Is there something that breaks your heart that also breaks the heart of God? That might be where God is sending you. But the last thing I want you to keep in mind is this bullet point here. I want you to be bold with the gospel. Here I am, send me. See, the apostles prayed that prayer, and they had another simple prayer. The apostles prayed this in Acts 4. Grant us to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They prayed, God, make us bold to speak your word. So I want you to be clear. I want to be dead clear here that we should be meeting needs, food, you know, sharing supplies, all those things. But I want to be dead clear. Our making an impact is our job isn't to provide people with financial security. It's to offer them salvation. It's not just to give people some bread because they ran out of bread. It's to give them the bread of life. 
They don't need the stock market to turn around. They need Jesus. They need to experience Him like Isaiah did, like many of us have. So as you go out, as we go out as the body of Christ, and this will be the hard part for some of us. Everybody applauds every time somebody does something nice and provides food. But as you provide food, do you let that person know about the love of God? Do you let them know that like Isaiah, that their guilt can be taken away, that the love of God can cover them? The beauty of this scene of Isaiah 6 is God is spirit, he is invisible. But oftentimes I heard a commentator say this, sometimes God clothes himself with visibility for the good of his people. See, in Isaiah 6, God made himself visible. That is our job, not to just do good deeds. Of course we do them, but we make the invisible God visible. God is on his throne. Do not panic because he doesn't. Even if we die, all the worst that happens is we go and stand before his throne and worship him. I'm not afraid to die. I hope none of us are Either once we remember that picture of God and he has compassion right now. God is looking for volunteers. There are people saying, where is God? And God is looking for volunteers, people to raise their hand and say, here I am, God, send me. So I'm going to pray. And I'm going to even give you some time even before our final worship song for you to pray that simple prayer as well. God, here I am, send me. And then we would pray that every day thereafter and make an impact for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. God, let us not be fueled by fear and motivated by fear right now. God, let us be motivated by a vision of you. God, by your spirit, enable us to see to see you, the King of kings, the creator of all things, sitting on your throne. That very same God that reached out to us, that cleansed us of our guilt. You call us your sons. God, if you are for us, God, what shall we fear? God, from that, from that wonderful experience and vision of you, God, we, would we make an impact? God, would we pray? God, here we are. Send us. In Jesus' name, amen.